You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now here's your host, Dirk Novell. Hello, everyone. This is Dirk Novell. Thanks for joining me. On with me today is Michelle Hunick. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, I haven't seen you in a while. So Michelle, it's funny, Michelle uh, and I go way back. I met Michelle through my wife, Michelle, and Michelle um, was married to a guy named Dirk. So (laughs) Michelle and Dirk times two, and it was funny. But, you know, Michelle is one of those, like she's one of the funniest women I know. And I miss miss hanging out because you make me laugh and you make my wife laugh. But this is not about laughter. This is about serious career stuff. So, you know, the reason I really wanted to have her on and she can articulate this better than I, but she has been very successful in a very, um, I don't want to say competitive, but with Microsoft, she's, she's risen, risen in the ranks and she's done really, really well. And she's also, um, been a very good mom raising two daughters. So she's very busy, very involved. And I think she's a great snapshot or example of what life can be for some people that really want to go deep in their career. And they also want to have, you know, a really awesome life and be a mom or a dad. So I, I want to bring her on. Um, Michelle, I will let you kind of in your own words, just talk a little bit about maybe your experience at Microsoft, um, what you do. I know you've worn uh, numerous hats within Microsoft over the years. So maybe you can elaborate. All right. So um, let me tell you what I currently do, um, and then I can give kind of a little bit of background of how I got there. So um, right now I lead a global enablement team for our Microsoft store business. So if you think of anything you buy on Microsoft.com, the Surface, Xbox, kind of the customer service and support behind that, I run the enablement team. So things of like AI, chatbots, virtual assistants, a lot of our tools and technology, a lot of our data and analytics and machine learning, data science, that type of thing. And then the customer experience. So how do we drive value across every interaction? So that is what I do today. I lead managers um, and really kind of define the strategy and guiding the teams on how we want to go drive revenue. So really sales acceleration and then also um, really improve the customer experience. So we drive Microsoft fans and loyal customers of Microsoft. So that's what I do today. I have actually been with Microsoft. Um, I just celebrated my 15 year anniversary, but I actually was a vendor for about seven years. So collectively, I've been there for 22 plus years. And um, something we talked about before we hit record was just I've kind of reinvented myself a lot at Microsoft. When I first started, I was in sales. Um, So I did that for about seven, eight years. Then I moved over into um, selling devices to partners. So like Garmin, um, GPS devices and the, the software that goes on those devices. I then moved over into customer experience and did a lot around that and then started in on um, customer service and support and started to manage people and then found that I had a real affinity for that and loved coaching and managing and then have just continued to build on that. Um, And so I ran data, BI, data science team, which is really funny to me because 
I hate Excel. I always feel like I'm not technical. And here I am running a technology team and a data team, which isn't something that comes naturally for me. Um, and in that journey, you mentioned um, mom. I, you know, I am, I'm a single mom um, that, that Dirk and Michelle V2 didn't work out. <laughs> so, uh, um, but uh, I've done that being a mom. And I think that's the thing that people don't realize that you, you know, you're able to do. I actually, for several years, I worked just part-time at Microsoft um, and then grew that and came back kind of when I was ready. My kids were a little bit more grown to really kind of hit the gas and go hard. And I think once I realized that I really liked managing and coaching and strategy and growing teams and growing future leaders, that's where I've really leaned in and that's where I sit today. Love it. Um, okay. So I'm going to try to figure out how to ask this question. So you've been, you know, with simplicity, was that the company that you yes. were with for seven years? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also an interesting angle we can talk about in a little bit about maybe people that want to dive deep in like full-time, but maybe they're more contract oriented and they want to, I don't want to call it part-time, but maybe work less with a big corporation. There are different ways to do that. But, you know, for someone that's like in school right now, we talked a little bit about your nephews, you know, 22, I think, and 25 that are trying to figure out, oh, God, what do I do? Uh, and, and, you know, Microsoft, Amazon, these big companies are exciting, sexy. I mean, they're, they're probably attractive um, employment opportunities for a lot of kids thinking about getting into technology. What what's it like being there for so long? Is it is it surprising? Like if you could rewind the clock. Did you have thoughts of what it would be like and it was totally different? I mean, do you feel here you are working for this huge company? Does it feel huge or does it feel like maybe a lot of small companies within a big company? It feels a lot more like a lot of small companies within a bigger company. And the reason for that a lot is because I've built a network. So you know, people I worked with when I first started actually worked with your wife um, in inside sales. You know, some of those guys have gone on to become VPs at the company and they moved to different pockets of the company. So it becomes small in the sense that your network really allows you to tap into different areas of the company. Um, so I like that. And then you can go and kind of lean into a certain area, like whether it's sales or let's say I tomorrow woke up and was like, you know what, I really want to go make commercials for Microsoft and get into advertising and, and marketing. You can do that and kind of reinvent yourself. So I think it's the big company that can feel small, the more and more that you kind of build that network and whether you build that at Microsoft or Amazon or Google or whatever, it's the same kind of way and whatever industry, you probably feel that same way kind of in the mortgage industry, finance, you you start to get to know people as people move on, you just kind of build this fabric, bless you, yeah. fabric of connection of people and um, making it feel more small. But you mentioned my, um, my nephews, it's funny, because I was with them this weekend, and we were having this conversation of just my 22 year old nephew, just really struggling to figure out, you know, he took a year off school, do I go back and finish? Like, what, how do I, how do I do this stuff? And, you know, if I think back to when I was 22, I had no clue, never in a million years did I think that I would be leading teams at Microsoft ever. That wasn't even in the cards or even something I thought that I could do. Um, and so I really think it just takes getting that first step and getting into the game and building on every experience that you have. One of my first jobs was when I took a year off of college and went and sold furniture at Smith's Home Furnishings. And 
yeah, I think I made $55,000 that year, which back in those days, you know, that was a minute ago. That was a lot of money, but I had my own apartment. I had to pay real bills. I worked with all these 65-year-old men and I was like, oh my gosh, this is not what I want to do the rest of my life. But I learned more in that year than I could have ever in a classroom at college. And I continue to build on those skills. I think of now I'm building out sales strategies in the job that I have now. And I tap into things I learned at that job back at 19. And so really it's getting your foot in the door, start working towards leveraging every experience and building on that. And eventually, you know, you go on this journey and end up somewhere, but it, I didn't start out of the gate at Microsoft. I had a lot of jobs before that, where I had to build skills that really kind of opened up that opportunity for me. Yeah. This is interesting because we talked a little bit about this earlier about kind of building on top of each other and, and letting it maybe not being so strict and regulated and, and like definitive about where you think you're going, because you may not know where this takes you. Like one of the divisions you worked at Microsoft might've led you to the next one and so forth. Um, but I will say this when I, uh, over the years, when we used to hang out back in the day, like I have always thought like you would be the best salesperson. People love you. You're funny. You can read a room. Um, you're very likable. And, you know, it's interesting to see you at Microsoft for so long in different roles. I guess I, I have to ask, like, what is the glue? Like, what is it about being there? Because something has kept you there. And I'm sure you've had many opportunities to jump ship and try something else. But what is it about working for a big company like Microsoft that is that has kept you there? So I think it's two things. One, I, I think I just, you know, as cliche as it sounds, I feel proud to work at Microsoft. I mean, it's one of the top three technology companies in the world. You know, I always feel proud when people ask, oh, where do you work? You know, Microsoft. Like I, So that's part of it. I love that I've been able to reinvent myself and do, you know, all different kinds of experiences within one company. Um, and then I think the biggest thing is, I love to keep learning and growing and that the culture at Microsoft is very much about, you know, don't be a, a know-it-all, you're a learn-it-all. It's really, you know, pushing and stretching yourself. Nothing good came from comfort zone. So it's being okay in the discomfort and really stretching yourself. And I love that. And so for me, I feel like I just keep pushing and learning and trying different things on and figuring out my way. And as long as I can continue to do that um, and having such love and passion for just the company and the brand, I think they'll have to probably kick me out. <laughs> they have once I actually, I got laid off actually. Um, that's why I worked for simplicity, but um, just, you know, for any of your listeners right now, or maybe listening to this because of layoffs, um, I think it's good to hear that, you know, that's, that's not, that can be normal. And I actually got laid off when I was on maternity leave. Um, I was feeding my brand new baby when I got the call from HR. I had just gotten promoted. I mean, I was blindsided, but it ended up being a, a bend in the road or a turn in the road, if you will. That was one of the best things that ever happened in my career. That's where I made the shift from being in sales to taking the sales skills and applying it to something else. Um, it allowed me to have a different kind of flexibility. And I ended up coming back to Microsoft many levels higher with a bigger title, um, with new experience under my belt. So that layoff for me, looking back in hindsight, was one of the best things that ever happened to me, even though in the in the moment it can be very devastating. 
Yeah, I hear you. Um, I'm trying to think of how to ask this question. So I think you and I are alike in a way. Like I both think we're, I don't know how to say it. We're, I'm kind of a smart ass, funny. I like to joke around. I don't think I'm like a lot of people. I'm kind of unique, I think. Not in a, I'm better. I'm just different. I've always thought of you similar. Like you're just very, there's not a lot of Michelle's like you or, or Michoud's. Uh, like, isn't that what we called you, Michoud? Yeah, uh, yeah. like you but like i always kind of wanted to ask you this question like i don't know how well i would do in a big corporation because i'm very i like i like to do it my way um I, I i get i get the assumption is there's a lot of politics playing the game i guess with you do you ever feel like like you can be you in a big company with a lot of rules and a lot of you got to kind of play it a certain way like because you are not, I, I don't know, I, I'm rambling, but I think you understand where I'm going on that. Yeah, I think the um, some of the feedback that I get both from people I manage and, you know, and people who manage me is that I'm very authentic. And I, um, I show up as me every day, take it or leave it, you know, love it or hate it. Um, you asked one of the things too about the glue. And I think like with the sales thing, a lot of the reason why I was good at sales is because I can connect with people. Um, and that's what I love to do. And it's because I am who I am. And, you know, I joke and I, you know, I just show up. I'm super transparent, probably too transparent with, you know, with people around me. Um, but even at a company like Microsoft, where yes, there's, um, you know, you there's politics, there's, you know, the rules and the games, but I also have been really lucky in the last few roles that I've had have been very greenfield, where in fact, the last three jobs I had before this one, I wrote the job description, I kind of found an untapped opportunity, um, explored it, pitched it and went after it. I'll give you another example is when I had had my second baby, I was in sales. Um, and nobody had um, worked part-time in sales. And so I put together a whole business plan and went and pitched it to HR and got it approved and was able to do part-time and, and try that out. And um, that worked until they laid me off a year later. But anyways, but my point is, is that I think there's still opportunity to be yourself and to um, not have these chains or guardrails on you based off your role. And some of that is building um, trust and earning that along the way. And some of that is just having passion. If I look at all the roles I've had, I think the consistent red thread that links them all is um, kind of this passion for the customer or for people. And when you believe in something and you have real passion and you can be authentic about that, you can kind of go and influence and do anything. You know, I think that passion is what has helped me influence and also just inspire, you know, my teams of what's possible and what we can go do. So I feel like I've gotten lucky where I've had a lot of just kind of greenfield opportunity to go try big things. And sometimes we fail and learn and move forward and try something different. Sometimes we're, you know, building the plane as we fly it. And sometimes it's always the right thing to do and, and we're going having amazing impact. So um, to get back to kind of your real question, I think, yeah, I think I've, I've been able to bring my authentic self to work. And it's one of the reasons I think I've had success is because, um, you know, it, it, 
I am likable. I connect with people. I'm good with people. I can kind of adjust my style and things to different people and find ways to connect. And um, I, for a few years, I had my own photography business. And one of the, you know, the things with that is really being able to connect with people and really bring them out, um, you know, from behind the camera and really capture their real spirit. And that's hard to do if you're not able to connect with people. And so whether that's through humor or just really kind of getting down to understanding how someone ticks or what lights them up and being able to kind of tap into that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I seem to, that probably is one of my um, superpowers. I think that's kind of carried me through from, from start to finish in my career. Yeah. I, I, on the photography front, one of my favorite pictures of my daughter was uh, from you and it was uh, a birthday, I think cake or a cupcake, yeah. but uh, I know the photo. Yeah. I yeah, love it. You did have a skill and talent as far as making people maybe feel safe, but yet also brave enough to be goofy and funny. And, um, and I asked this question, like part of me is like, why did I go down this road? And like, I think what I'm really trying to do for younger adults or people watching this is, you know, if you are one of those different kind of people, or you like to be unique, or you're a type four on the Enneagram, which is individual, I think there's places for you and big corporate structures as well. And I think the assumption sometimes is you have to play the bend the knee and, and, you know, be a certain type of person to fit in. But I think based on what you shared, there's room, there's room for all kinds of people and authenticity uh, typically will win out every time and you know diversity right so diversity of thought um you know we just did a um at on my team we just did a um a meeting where we were talking about um adhd and just different neurological differences that people have and how they tick and how they work and what their working geniuses are and you know a couple people on the team got up and talked about their challenges but also their superpowers around that and how we could all work better together and you know you think of how we all think differently and we all have different lived experiences and we all are looking through things from a very very different lens. And that's incredibly valuable. And so I think it's important to, you know, bring your true self to the table and, and people, especially now in today's day and age, I think really embrace that. And you don't have to put that aside and fall in line and kind of, you know, just be like everybody else and do all these things. I think actually the people, um, that are a little out there and, you know, and, and passionate about who they are and what they believe in and what they do. Those are the ones who see big success. I hear you. So I always ask this, but like, what a surprise, like, I don't want to focus on negativity, but is there something, I mean, I think it's important. Like my daughter fast forward in four years is thinking about working at Microsoft or doing whatever, or even getting into my line of work. I want her to know the good and the bad. Like, yeah. and, and I guess the question is, what is it about working at a big company? And it's not specific to Microsoft, but is there anything that's caught you off guard that you might want to warn people about that are just like all in on, on, on doing the big technology company? I think oh, this isn't technology company specific. I think this is any job, but who you work for 
matters and who you work with makes all the difference. And so I share that from my, the role I'm in right now, I just took on a year ago, but before that I spent two years in an organization where I loved my manager, but everyone up above that, hopefully they're not listening, but I really struggled with, they were brought new into the company. Um, They were just driving the bus in the wrong direction, very just ill-informed. I didn't, they didn't really have vision or um, strategy or direction, you know, and all these things. And it was a real struggle. And I worked with people that were really negative. And in those two years, I had to go on blood pressure medicine, heart medication. You know, I was grumpy at home. Um, It took a toll on my both mental and physical health. So what I would say is the now switching gears, I am so incredibly happy. I love my boss. I love my peers. I love my team. I love what I do. I'm excited to come to work every day. And yeah, sometimes, you know, you're like, oh man, sure. I'd rather be drinking a pina colada retired on a beach. Don't get me wrong. Um, But I also, you know, have uh, some bougie taste and love to travel and have bills to pay. So um, I think, you know, for anyone, it's don't be afraid to make a change. Like we we spend so much time of our lives working. And so you don't have to, um, there's a real misconception of like, find your passion and make that your job. I don't believe in that at all because I've tried that with photography and it robbed me of my passion, but you should really like who you work with. Either people that, um, you could learn from that you're inspired by people you want to be like, or whatever it may be. But if you've got a crappy boss, like, Don't waste time with that. Or if your job and the things that you're doing are really messing with your mental health, try something different. You know, I mean, it's it's never too late. I mean, at any age, really, to to take the skills that you've used and trying to apply them and leveraging them in a different way. But, yeah, I think my biggest advice is it is so much about who you work for. People don't leave companies. They leave managers. And that's a very, very real thing. Yeah, I hear that a lot, Michelle, um, very consistently from my guests that I interview. Um, the other question I have is like, okay, so what, like, what are the things you have to give up? Or, or like I asked the question about like, what is the non-negotiables that you want in a business or a career? You know, and I'm, I'm going to assume, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like financial security, I'm sure there's plenty of upside working for a company like Microsoft, especially with stock. Uh, there's, there's change. There's con you, you don't get bored. Uh, you work with very intelligent people. Um, but like, are there, are there anything, are there any components to life, like freedom? Maybe you have to bend the knee sometimes when you don't want to bend the knee because the company's making you do whatever, like, are there things working for a big company like Microsoft that you're not getting that, you think, God, I wish I had these two things. I honestly, I don't think so. I mean, I feel, but that's because I've probably created that, right? For me as a single mom, flexibility is hugely important. And now I think with COVID that really changed the game for a lot of people. I, before that, as I mentioned, I had worked part-time for a few years. And then when I was back full-time, I always needed to work from home a few days a week because I needed that flexibility to still be a good mom. And I went to all the field trips. I was the room mom in my daughter's class, you know, so juggling a lot of balls. So 
flexibility was really important. So that's always a deal breaker for me if you don't have that. And that's not a Microsoft thing. That's very specific to the org you work in, the team you work for, the manager you work for. But I think flexibility is really, really important. And luckily, I, that's something that I have. Um, yeah, financial security, even just from day one. I remember when I graduated college, I told my dad, I'm going to make 100K and within two years. And, you know, he was like, oh my God, you know how long it took me to make a hundred K and I faxed him my W2, you know, two years in, but I worked for a, a, a company that supplied contract workers in warehouses, you know, uh, but uh, that was sales and, and went and did it. So for me, yeah, it is, um, I love what I do. I love learning and growing. I love giving back and sharing my knowledge that I've learned on my journey, coaching people, but not going to lie. You know, I got, I love, I love being able to have the paycheck and be set up for, you know, life of retirement and taking care of my family and hopefully leaving the legacy and all of that. So in the beginning, I was very much kind of money motivated and driven. I had my grandpa was a doctor. My parents thought I'd be the next doctor until they saw my grades from school and they knew that was never going to happen. But for me, it was like, I don't want to be a doctor because I want to start making money right away. I've always been ambitious. I've worked since I was 11. So I think I have this innate kind of drive in me um, and to just constantly push myself and learn and grow. And I've just been able, I've been lucky and blessed to be able to do that at the company that I'm at, but it's not that way at every single company. And some of that, I think I've created for myself or I've left a team or a manager if I didn't get those things that I needed to, you know, continue to grow and learn and give back and, and, um, and be happy both in and outside of work. So interesting, like, I'm trying to think, okay, so you're working at Microsoft and you're talking about moving in and out of different divisions or groups, different bosses, different managers. Is it like, Hey, are you breaking up with me? And you're, I mean, how easy is it to leave a group or a division and go to another? I mean, I would think that it might be hard. Like you get really good. Your boss loves you. You've got clients that love you in a big company like Microsoft. Is it an environment that's uh, conducive to say, Hey, I've been here two years. And I want to try something different. Are they open to that? Hugely. So two, I have two answers. So one, it's not that easy because, um, you do, you have to go through an interview process. They have to interview a certain amount of candidates, um, certain amount of diverse candidates, all those things. So it's not just a gimme if, you know, all those things. I think you need to tap into your network and leverage that. So you have to really build a personal brand. That's a huge thing, whether you're at a company on LinkedIn, whatever, right? I make sure that um, I'm very true to my brand and who I am and the work I put out and who I am and how I work and never burn a bridge. And that's paid off when I'm ready to look for something different. But also at Microsoft, we dedicate time twice a year to have career conversations. And as a manager, I love that. I love figuring out what makes my people tick? What do they want to, you know, what do they want to be when they grow up? What, what's their next thing? And how do I enable that? How do I provide opportunities to let them, you know, flex that muscle or get in front of the right people or be a fly on the wall in a really strategic high level meeting, whatever it may be. I think having that conversation with your manager is super, super important. So whether you're at a big technology company or a small little, you know, 
little mom and pop shop, you want to be constantly having that conversation with your manager of what you want to learn and do and, and other opportunities that you have, because it's their job to really unblock and unlock those things for you and provide that back. But you can't have that if you're not having that conversation. So, you know, a lot of that may be, hey, I'm, I want to go do this. They know I aspire to go um, you know, lead a bigger organization, then they're looking out for me and finding those opportunities. So that's one way, or it can be that you're, you're breaking up with them. You know, my last role was, I had gone out to drinks with someone that I worked with on a project. And then lo and behold, they had a role open up a few months later and, you know, remembered our conversation and reached out and the timing was perfect. And, you know, so I, I jumped over to the, to the new team. So it's a lot of those things, but having that ongoing conversation with your manager, everybody should be doing that in every job you're in at any company you're at. I was just thinking something that you just said, like, so with each guest I have, I have like verbiage on their, their thumb, their image of their, you know, when I introduce them. And like what you just said was really interesting. I've never heard it. I've heard personal brand, but the importance of building a personal brand. And I think that's really cool because like you can work for a huge company and you think you leave a division and it's like an old boyfriend. See, I'm not talking to you anymore, but no, that stuff follows you. Right. I mean, huge. it's a small world. And I had a guest that I was going to, you got to watch his pod. His name's Johan Ligren. He's a friend of mine from Sweden. And I know you're Swedish, but we talked about this exact same thing about, you know, I was asking him about him coming and he was at Microsoft forever. He ran Europe for Microsoft. And he talked about how like in Sweden, it was so small that you didn't have the luxury in business of messing up. Like everyone knew, like across industries. He's like, you know, and that was the thing when he came here, it was so big and different, but you know, the idea of building a personal brand will follow you. And I think that's really important to um, younger people that probably don't think like that, that you, you need to be authentic and genuine and consistent and real and, um, you never know like the the what what it might do for you down the road like being nice to someone or treating somebody with respect obviously those are you know obvious things but i i think what you're kind of talking about is you know your success in a lot of ways has probably been based on you being able to build a really cool 100%. personal brand 100% and here's another thing i'll share I'll, I'll share a story with you i also think there's a real opportunity for young people, anyone actually, to establish your brand on LinkedIn. And I'll give you an example. When I got divorced, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to make sure I have job security. I want to make sure that, um, you know, I put make a name for myself outside of Microsoft. And one of the things that I'm passionate about that, you know, has kind of been what I've done the last 10 years is around customer experience. So I got super intentional about the photo I put on LinkedIn, the blurb I wrote, everything and who I followed, what I commented on, very much focused and centered around customer experience. And, you know, getting intentional about what I wrote with the right keywords, connecting to the right networks, people, all of this. Within a week, I was offered a speaking opportunity in Singapore. 
within a week. And then I've built on that where I've gone, I started to go out and speak at industry events. I got put on the board of directors. I sit on a global advisory board and customer experience. Like I created and leveraged LinkedIn and building on that to kind of extend my brand outside of Microsoft to really being this customer experience voice in the industry um, with an opinion of kind of where we want to go. And, um, you know, that was leveraging that platform. So I look and see people still in college. I've mentored people um, through some various programs where we work on their LinkedIn and we make sure that we're kind of putting out the things that they know that they're good at um, and being really intentional about, you know, who they follow and start building a network on LinkedIn. It can be super, super powerful. But when I think of, you know, personal brand, it's really who you show up and day to day and your your working style and who you are authentically as a person and the value you bring to the table. But then also like what, you know, what's that kind of face you put out to the world of who you want to be and what does that look like? And I think that's something you should start doing right away. I mean, I was all over my nephew this weekend, you know, 22, like, dude, you don't have a LinkedIn? Like, what are you talking? Oh my God, I'm going to call you this week. We're going to get on. We're going to create your profile. We're going to get super smart about it. And that's a hell of a platform to leverage for different trainings. And there's all these free certifications, especially now with like AI and ChatGPT and Google has a whole, you know, certification. Like it's so powerful that I hope more and more people really don't consider it like a tool when you're just looking for a job, but it's your opportunity to create your online presence, your own personal brand of who you want to be and kind of extend your personal brown, your brown, your personal brand at outside of work, which I think is super important. I love it. Before I, I have a couple of questions before we wrap this up, um, but I am curious, the theme of customer experience that you've consistently talked about, like, what is the, what's the draw to that? Like, what is it? I mean, I understand what that is. Um, but why is it important to you? Like, why is that part of kind of your, not identity, but the why? Like, what is it so, what is it that attracts you? Is it of just just trying to differentiate yourself from everybody else and have them think of you know, something you've created that's just better and different? Or is there something else? No, it's people. It, it's if when I think about my um, 10 plus years in sales, it was never about getting the sale. It was always about, the people and connecting with the people. And we're all customers, you and I both, no matter if we're going and buying airline tickets or um, we're at a restaurant or we're buying something online, we all have these customer experiences. And you see how people are leveraging technology and data to improve experiences. And so I get passionate about, you know, Microsoft used to be kind of the, um, had kind of a negative of like, well, we're Microsoft, so you got to do it our way, you know, whether it's the right way or not way and just live with that. That was the old Microsoft, you know, 20 years ago. And now we're like, wow, people have choices and options. And if we really want to stay relevant, we need to make the experience as good. So a lot of that used to be just real true passion for like making it right for customers. You know, I used to get really frustrated that like, why are our like complex nuanced systems that cause such pain for customers, like really going and being the advocate and voice for customers to make changes to that. You know, I remember one time having some little old lady got my phone number and called me. I answered the phone at like four in the morning and she was, you know, she'd been hacked and money was taken out of her account. And I like had this passion to go make it right and, and help her. And so um, 
I think at the end of the day, it just boils down to people. And every single one of us every day has a customer experience. And so when people do it right, I'm like, oh my God, that was so easy. Or I love that. Like, then I figure out like, okay, how do we go make those changes at Microsoft? Because we should make it easy and, you know, and a really positive experience because that really is so critical to keeping ourselves, you know, brand loyalty, all those things. But at the end of the day, what is it that, draws me is that passion for people. And I think that's just consistent in every single job I've had. And, you know, me as a manager, I just, it really is about the people and connecting with people. And um, that to me is what really gets me out of bed. Yeah. I love it. Um, okay. So university of Oregon, right. And then well, I think you went to Portland state as well. Yes. Yes. University of Oregon and had way too much fun. Um, you know, partying. So I had to, I took a year off and uh, remember I did real world, real, real world for a minute. And then I went back to Portland state. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yes. You talking about with the 65 year old men. So yeah. Uh, yeah, no hate on, I'm listen, I'm, I'm getting up there myself. So it wasn't that, but I just realized like, I want more than this. You know, I want, I want more for myself than, than this. And, but I, I wouldn't give up that experience for the world. So I think to anyone listening, it's like making sure you're leveraging all your experiences and, and building on those. You had someone on recently, I think her name was Jackie, where she had gone and lived in New York and loved that and then came back and worked at Nordstrom's and hated it and kind of pivoted to something else. Like it's just done all these things, but they all kind of build on each other to get where you're at. It's just, it's a journey. That's truly what life is. So it is. people got to stop putting the pressure on themselves to like know what to do at 25, like even 45, hell, I'm still figuring out at almost 50. I know it's, uh, and by the way, Jackie's a duck as well. Oh, awesome. That's why you like her. Um, yes. But if you could go back and rewind it, I know that the, the safe answer is I would do it exactly the way, but knowing what you know now, like, would you do it different? Um, knowing kind of the future, you know, we didn't really get into AI, but that's a question or a topic that I talk a lot about in my podcast as far as what it's going to do to jobs and security and better or worse, whatever spectrum you are on, you know, are you excited? Are you an alarmist? Um, but just kind of thinking out of the bounds, like, would you do it different or would you have, you know, you did the red hat thing and you, what would you do? Just kind of, I'm curious if you were coming mm. out of U of O or Portland state at 23, 24. I would have um, bought more Microsoft stock early on to leverage my employee uh, purchase plan a lot more. And um, no, honestly, I know it's so cliche. I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, there were some jobs I hated along that path, right? There, there were jobs that I just, you know, oh, struggled through, but I think you need to, have, it's kind of like relationships. You kind of have to go through some bad ones to know and appreciate when you find the one. Um, and so, I don't know that I would, you know, yeah, if I could go back and get rid of all those and have started at Microsoft from day one, I'd probably be retired now, Dirk, but uh, I don't know that I'd change anything because I think you learn, you walk away from each experience with something new and learned, whether that's good or bad, and you apply that as you move forward. And I kind of think that's just what life is all about. It's all about the journey and the experiences and how we learn and apply and grow from them. And um, I'm pretty happy where I've ended up. I, I never would have thought that I would have gotten to this level at Microsoft. And so now I feel like, oh, well, how far can I go and continue to push it and grow? So I don't know. I, I don't know that I've changed my path. 
Okay, fair enough. It wasn't always perfect, but I I don't think I would change it. Well, I'm not going to let you off the hook so easy on this next question. So um, let's just say tomorrow you get laid off and they say you're out of technology, no big, you know, no customer service, no customer experience, you know, nothing at all related to what you do. The question is, what is your dream job? Like, what is something like, I know after a glass of wine or two, like when you think about, man, if it wasn't safe for money or whatever, I would love to do this. Is there something out there that you would love to do? Yes, I would. Um, I don't even know if this is a job. I think it is because I see bloggers do this, but I would love, I love to travel and I would love to get paid to go around to amazing resorts all over the world and test out, you know, the experience and, um, you know, from the ambiance to the food to, you know, literally get paid to go around and travel all over the world and live it up. That seems pretty good. And that probably most likely won't happen, but that's definitely what I'm going to do in my retirement in a few years. And uh, I don't know, maybe I can parlay that into something and, and start, you know, vlogging about it and turn it into something. I don't know, create a TikTok. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I have a friend that retired from Microsoft. Um, he was a fraternity brother of mine, Bob Davis. And he always, he travels like crazy all over the world and he posts and he talks about his experience and, and everything from the food to the hotels to, I mean, he's been everywhere. And, uh, it, it does seem like a job that would suit you well. Um, especially if you could mix in some of your humor and, you know, um, I was going to say smart ass, but that sounds bad. You're a nice smart ass like me. Like you're just funny. And I think witty. you're I, witty. I, witty. I think the world needs more humor. I, I love yes. when I'm laughing and you're like my wife. She's super funny. And I just, I can't super imagine funny. life without laughing. Um, is there anything that I've missed? Haven't asked you that, you know, you know exactly what I'm trying to do here, but that you might want to leave with the audience of, you know, I think your theme just my, in my two words is like, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Um, let things happen. I would also, I don't want to say counter that, but I also think it's, you know, like your nephew is 25 and 22. Like, I also think it's, it's important to pay inventory to who you are and what, what you're naturally gifted to do. Like if you're a total introvert, I don't think they would do well in your job. Right. So if you, if you don't like people and, you know, maybe architecture or something is, but like, is there any kind of advice that you might want to give to somebody that's maybe struggling right now? Ooh, you know, I would say um, you're, you are eventually gonna know what you're good at or what you have an affinity towards, what your kind of working genius is, you know? Maybe like in my case, it's people, right? Or inspiring people, whatever it may, engaging with people. Um, but I think you, with the right manager and boss and leader, you kind of find that out. You know, I think about with a team now, I. I tap into what part of my job is almost treating it like a football team and figuring out, you know, who I'm going to put on what position and, you know, really tapping into their genius. So the more that you are able to understand that about yourself, I think that's really important. I think it's super important to build a personal brand. I mean, you can start doing that while you're still in college um, and, and putting yourself out there both in and outside of work. And then I think just recognizing that careers and work, it's not linear. It's almost like a jungle gym and every 
every job that you have, whether you're working at a grocery store or, you know, I look at my days back when I worked at Ann Taylor selling clothes, like you still take away learnings and skill sets and muscles that you apply to other jobs. And so just keep building on those things. I think that's really important. And if you find yourself in a, a job or an industry or working for someone that just really doesn't make you happy, you don't have to stay there. There's so much opportunity. So make that change because at the end of the day, life is short and it's important to, um, you know, like what you do. You don't have to be, um, you know, doing something that you're, you know, that's your passion. If you're a painter and you're not painting, doesn't mean that you don't um, bring creative pieces of you authentically to the table and the job that you're at. But yeah, find your, find your genius, find what you're good at and find ways to apply that in the role that you're doing and really focus on building experiences and building brands and network the hell out of things. Like whether that's a platform like LinkedIn or your parents, friends, or your neighbor, or someone you worked with, or someone you came across at the grocery store, whatever it is, just build that network, tap into it, and then make sure that you are telling people what you aspire to do, you know, that you really take your career and promotions, whatever it is by, you know, by the horns and really communicate what you want. Um, and, uh, you know, and go find things that get you excited and be open to learning and jumping off the cliff before you're ready and, um, and just going for it. And you might go down some roads that you're like, yeah, nope, that's not for me. And you can make a turn, but always take something away from what that experience and apply it to the next. I love it. Good stuff. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, I know we went a little long, but I think it was worth it. So, uh, thanks, Michelle. Thanks for having me, Dirk. All right. Good to see you. See ya. Thank you.